Uh, hey guys, it's Alex again um, on Mouthwash Podcast. I'm here with the whole crew this time. Introduce yourselves. Ladies first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is Mackenzie. Hello, all. Hi, this is Bianca. I think and for those of you guys who... Yeah. Wait, what's up? This is the first time that I've been on the podcast. Yeah, it has. And for those of you guys who don't know Bianca, she is really the one making the machine move. Um, we picked her up as a, a editor last year because we, if we would have edited the magazine, it probably would have all been misspelled or whatever. <laughs> um, but asked her to come back again to kind of help us project manage as we got like all busier and stuff like that. And she's been like so great, like does a lot of the work behind the scenes, a lot of the communication, like helping people get onto the podcast, um, really like kind of helping us produce this next magazine. So she's like such a key piece in like what we're doing now. Um, and especially like since we're not bringing on a guest this time, we definitely were like, yo, you should come on here and, you know, chat it up with us. So welcome, Bianca. Thank you. Cool. Um, yeah, so this and, week we like uh, Abraham go ahead. before Alex. Totally forgot. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, Abe, you're here. <laughs> well, I, I think I got confused because you were like ladies first. And then I was like, oh, Abe already talked. I think we yeah, really that, nailed that. that Southern I hospitality. Talk too much. Yeah, you're being too nice. <laughs> um yeah this week we decided to we we kind of like got really busy over the last few weeks and like had like podcasts scheduled and stuff like that and things were like not working out or people were like low-key forgetting <laughs> that we had those kinds of things so we haven't released anything in a few weeks so we were like what do we do um we should kind of just like get more in touch with the community the people who follow us and just ask them like um hey like kind of give them a place for them to ask questions and so we did like a little q a I got some really cool questions this week, and I'm excited. It's like a little bit different than what we normally do. A very like. Holy shit! Siri just scared me. Siri just heard me talk. That was crazy. Hey, we're, we're leaving that. You're in. listening to the Mouthwash Podcast. Start us off, Alex. Okay, wait, hang on. Let me get to this document. I don't even know where it's at. You probably hear my mouse clicking. So we're, we're um, just going to kind of go around and um, each give a question, uh, read a question, and then we'll all kind of just dive in and uh, kind of speak on, on what we want. Yeah, cool. So I'll start, and then you guys can like just hop in wherever. Um, but this is a question that I thought was really interesting from Gavin. He says, what's an important piece of advice that someone should hear when pursuing a passion in the creative field? Hmm. Oof. It's a good I question. feel like that's really broad. but it, It's a good question. It's just like loaded because it's like... Uh, There's like a million ways like, you could answer that question. But what is like for you guys, like what is like the number one thing I feel like that you always hold on to personally? Because I know it's different for everybody, but... Um, I'll start off... Um, the I guess pursuing a passion in the creative field I think going into like anything creative it's it's a you're gonna have to the word that just always comes to mind is sacrifice you're gonna have to sacrifice a lot um it's not like a regular stable job like you know going in you know what to expect you know accountant um or you know etc etc it's something that like every day you're you might be uninspired every day you know, but you're gonna have to get over that or every day you might get like your creative crushed, but you're gonna have to be able to bounce back. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to take risk. And, and um, the, I, so I, my important piece of advice is just go into that knowing that, but also like the rewards of that. Um, the higher the you know risk, the, the more reward. So you're also going to wake up and just uh, love what you do, even if you're not feeling it. Um, you at the end of the day, you, like you're probably not going to want to do anything else. So just sacrifice, and and mm. that's my thing. Yeah, I would say too. Like, as much as it is, you know, sacrificing in that regard. If you work at an agency, it's that weird middle ground of like you are pursuing your passion ish, um, but you're beholden to clients. And wow, that's amazing. Well, you know, I think that it's you have to remember that you know, even if you are pursuing your passion and it is pretty stable, um, you know, passion with an asterisk at the end, you have to make sure that you have some sort of creative outlet outside of that. Um, Mm -hmm. That's just fun, you know, that you can like truly be creative and you working with people that you genuinely want to work with. Um, I think that having that something else outside of what you consider work is super important, um, Mm. especially if you consider yourself an artist because otherwise you know especially if you're creating for money all the time not to say that we don't want to get paid right um <laughs> to do what we do um in the art world but i think that it's super important to have that outside uh outlet to just do and make with people that you care about yeah yeah i i feel like for me it's probably a couple of things i think that like one bianca to kind of build off of what you're saying is that um if you're lucky enough to be able to do like what you love uh as a passion and get paid for it you got to find ways to like not be like so tied to that because what happens is you find if your identity is fully like flesh and found in like your success as a creative um when you go down you're going to go down with it and when you go up you're going to go up with it but like you kind of have to find this like weird balance of like this is the work and while it's the work and it's what I love, like it's not all who I am. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's like making sure that like my friendships and my relationships are um, priority or key or um, like faith, if that's something that you hold to in life. And mm-hmm. like, I think there's just like a lot of lies like in the industry. And that, and that goes to my second point too, is that like, just don't like buy into like the whole like, if you're not freelancing and if you're not like working on your own time and all this like bullshit essentially is like, then you're not successful. And, and it's like, I think it's such like a dangerous trap to fall into. And we talk about it a lot, but it's like, you don't have to like be on Twitter talking about how hard you're working or how you're building like the next big thing all the time. And, you know, we're all guilty of that. And even with mouthwash, we like, we get really excited about our ideas and we really want to like share that with the world and, and have people like be excited about the things that we're building. But it's not like you're a failure as an artist or as uh, somebody that's pursuing it as a career if you don't have like some big news to announce all the time. And so I would just like really encourage people to just like focus on the work and let the work speak for itself as opposed to like just continue to do the talking. Like you'll get there, like things like it will take you there, you know. Um, I don't know. That's just like something that I've just mm-hmm. I've always held close to. I think the first thing I thought of when I read this question, I actually talked about it with my mom a little bit this weekend because she was just asking me um, about what I've been learning and stuff. But um, like being open, I think what changed for me from being a student to like now working and making my own stuff was 
asking for critique. And I think that's mm. really scary for creatives to do. And it's really like hard because that's something that you've worked really hard on. And you know, like we're constantly critiquing ourselves um, when we're looking at other people's work and we're seeing what other people are building. But asking for critique from people who you know are better than you is mm. scary, but it's going to be, it's going to be the best thing for you. And learning to detach like your worth and like your worth as a person from your work is probably one of the harder things to learn in the creative field but that is going to be key to you like growing faster and doing bigger and better things because you're letting people speak into what you're doing and kind of pick it apart but then when it comes out of that it's going to be so much stronger and so much better so I don't know that's a tough one but yeah I think yeah, it makes you build on that point too. And that was kind of what I was saying earlier is like, people, I see people all the time plateau or kind of get to a point where they stop growing because they get so easily offended by what people have to say about their work. Yeah. Um, and and that's not for everybody, but it's just like when we so like emotionally tie ourselves to the things we're making and it's hard because it's like we really do put everything we have into this. Like if somebody like, yeah, like if somebody were to like talk like mad trash on like my projects or like even mouthwash, like, yeah, I would probably get offended. But at the end of the day, it's like, I can't allow those things to deter my growth or to stunt that growth. Like you have to be able to like push through that because like, if you don't have any critics, um, you're likely not going to have like a ton of success. Um, and that's like, it kind of goes back to the whole, like haters make me famous or whatever, you know, whatever way you want to like, you know, interpret that. But it's true. Like people are always going to have something to say, the more eyes you have on whatever you're building. Um, and you really have to learn how to like just detach yourself from that and just push through it. Yeah. Shout out to the uh, to the people that gave us like zero uh, star ratings on uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of you out there. We're trying to we're trying to check you down. Hey, I got, I got contacts at Apple. We're gonna see who you are. Um. Well, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, next, somebody else with a question. Mm-hmm. Bianca, okay. go. Yeah. No, there was. Um, I'm curious to hear your guys' answers. Um. This is from Saya from Jonasburg, South Africa. Um, she wanted to know what are y'all uh, guys' thoughts on mobile photography? Are you guys fans of it? Do you ever use it? Um, and if yes, what apps do you use? And would you guys ever consider uh, having like tutorials on uh, editing in mobile? Mm, good question. Started off, Mr. Visco. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Also for me, not just for her, because I don't know if you've seen, but all I do is add grain to my, <laughs> my iPhone photos, so please help. Amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, to answer the first part of the question, like mobile photography is what really like lowered the bar and allowed me to kind of get into it because to me, like buying a camera that was more than like I would I would never you know, back when I was in high school would be like, why would I ever buy a camera that's over $300 or $500 or whatever? And then to think that like a 5D was like 2000 or $3,000. It's like, that's crazy. I would never do that. So as I started taking photos on my phone, and it was more accessible, like, that's what really allowed me to, to realize that you didn't, you don't really need like a lot to like make a lot, um, or to tell a story. And like, even a lot of my favorite, some of my favorite photographs to this day are, are still are still shot on a phone. Um, and th- this goes back to the conversation that everybody has about like, oh, you don't need a lot to make a lot. And then there's the other side of the that question that says like, you do need a lot to make a lot. Like there's certain looks that you can only get if you're shooting on medium format or 35 millimeter or you're shooting with strobes in a studio, which you can't do with an iPhone. Um, but really the basis of all of that is that you don't need, um, there's not like a requirement to tell stories. 
Um, so I think as long as mm-hmm. like your your work and the things that you're making is coming from a narrative perspective, then you're fine. You know, like if you're coming from like a pure aesthetic standpoint, or if the aesthetic is needed to tell that part of the story, then you might need to reevaluate what kind of gear you're using. Um, so to answer that question, I love mobile photography. I think it's like one of the most raw and honest um, ways to tell stories in this day and age in 2018, because like, even like some of my favorite pictures are just like blurry ass, like Snapchat images. Like, I'm just like, wow, that like is really cool. Like this makes me feel something, um, that kind of thing. Um, and then to answer the other part of that question, uh, yeah, I still use it. I, yeah, I guess I, I did answer it all. Um, what apps I do use, I do use Visco. Um, they're my friends. And also, like, I think they're the best and, like, their app has, like, changed and grown a lot over time. Um, as far as tutorials, like, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I think we're all kind of all on the same page on this. Is like, I don't really, like, I think, like, I'm doing you a disservice by, like, just showing you what the way I see the world in that way. Like, I think we should totally leave that up to the creators to, like, build that. Like, that was that, like the learning how to edit and like edit editing in a certain specific way is like only you, like you can learn things from mm-hmm. other people, but there's like the way and the, 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 the end result you get is like, is the crossroad at which you feel satisfied at, you know? And it's not for me to like tell you that this is a complete image. That's for you to tell yourself that this is a complete image. And so I'm not, there's nothing like wrong with people that do like tutorials or anything like that. It's just never really been mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. We, we have talked about doing like some tutorials in the future, but not necessarily specifically on mobile photography editing. Um, right. But I think that's how we all kind of started is doing mobile photography. I, I still remember like, you know, 2014 or 2015 <clears throat> um, when like, yeah, I think it was like 2014 when Mackenzie was like shooting bangers on an iPhone and some projectors. Um, <laughs> and that's how like, I kind of stumbled upon it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think we're all fans of it and we still, you know, even if it's not for like commercial work, we still do it all the time. Mm. Yeah. I would totally not discount it or be like, Oh, I like this photo isn't as good. Cause it's shot on my phone or whatever. Like everything's open. Everything is usable. And like, I would just say, just go for it. Mm. Okay. Right. I'm going to ask another question that I, that was really interesting. Um, our friend Ani sent over a question that said, how often do you feel confident versus unconfident? Man. It's like... It's like... <laughs> what, okay. Which way? Um, the confident versus unconfident. So you're unconfident 20% of the time? Oh, no, no, no. 80. Okay. I think like... All right. It's so... Um, just even based off the things that we've discussed from questions this far, it's so easy to be paralyzed um, just by the amount of work that you see and the pressures that you get um, from outside forces. And I think that uh, a lot of either working in a creative field or just being creative, um, you have to fight <laughs> fight those things. Um, even just like... Yeah put a word on a page or, you know, get that shot that you had in your head. Um, so I think that, you know, the confident versus unconfident thing is a constant battle and it's really easy to kind of fake it and like bullshit your way 
um, emotionally through things. So even if you are unconfident, um, you know, almost (laughs) you have to act like you aren't in order to get things done. And I think that that's always a learning moment for me when I'm like, okay, so I can actually do this. Um, there was no reason for me to feel the way I did prior, you know? Mm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. It's so funny to me because I, I mean, at first it was like kind of like a game to like, and Abe, you and I have talked about this a lot is like, we're like the whole like fake humble thing to like try to be more like, yeah. And I'll let you speak on that that too. But it's like you, in some level or some capacity, like none of us really do know what we're doing, but, and also some level or in some capacity, like we really do know what we're doing. And so it's not really fair to people who actually don't know what mm. they're doing to pretend that like somebody they look up to for somebody that they look up to, to say that they don't know what they're doing. They'll never feel like they know what they're doing, you know? Yeah. And so like, don't stay there. So, and, there. Yeah. Like, like you, like you have like to shit. own the growth totally. And so like, when I look at it, it's like own the growth, like, be confident in what you do know. Use it to teach others. Like, don't, like, try to play this game of being, like, oh, like, I'm not confident in, like, what I do. I don't know anything. Like, I don't know how to do this or that. When, like, you clearly do, like, the work speaks mm-hmm. for itself. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, it. so there's, like, that side of it. And then there's also the side of it, too, where it's, like, I mean, I still get, like, like sweats when I'm about to, like, go into a shoot because, like, I, I'm nervous that the thing that I envision in my head isn't going to be what comes out in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like a, and that's just like a, a personality thing where it's like when we hold ourselves to certain standards, I think like there's a level of like, I don't know, like just being nervous that like the things that we really want to make and the, and the way we want to deliver and the way we want to please people, especially if you're shooting for somebody else or even for yourself, doesn't come out the way that you want it to be, you know? And I wish I could just be confident. Like I wish I could just like walk on stage and be like, or walk on a set and just be like, yeah, like we're going to do this. Like, this is how it is. And you kind of have to play that part, like Bianca was saying, but like, mm. it's not always yeah. that easy. But I think sometimes the like nervousness or like feeling a little bit unconfident, like that like drives you to do even better. Cause I think if you were constantly mm-hmm. so confident, like you would never be on your toes or like holding your breath a little bit. Like for me, if I'm a little nervous, I'll probably perform my best because mm. I'm like trying extra hard to nail it. And so. I think that was an interesting question because there's times where I like feel confident like in general about what I'm doing, but the small little bits of like, uh, like shoot, I need to really nail this or like I need to really make extra hard work extra hard to make sure that I like get this right. Like that's what makes me better each time. So for sure. Yeah. I think the, uh, the times I felt most unconfident was, um, when I start to compare myself to others and that's something mm-hmm. that I, I really try not to do, um, now. Because it's, I think it's really toxic and um, not just creatively, but in other aspects of life. So if you compare yourself to others, it's it's not really fair because everyone is on a different trajectory and is on a different path. And I just got to worry about myself and I am my biggest enemy. Um, so if, I, if I'm feeling unconfident, it's because I'm lacking myself in a certain area, not because mm-hmm. someone else is. Um, so... I, the times that I feel unconfident, kind of like what Alex was saying is when I put pressure upon myself and, and, um, and I, and I think that is a good thing because that means if I'm putting mm. a lot of pressure means that I've kind of gotten to a point where I'm expected to, you know, to perform a certain way. Um, so yeah, I, I would say if I had to like nail it down, 
probably similar to Bianca, kind of like 80-20. Like now, you know, as time passes, I, I feel myself being more confident, not cocky, but just confident in my abilities to to do the task at hand. But, you know, there's always going to be those hurdles that, mm-hmm. you know, that just seem like unsurmountable because it's something you've never done. I also think mm. too, like looking at confidence, maybe through a different lens, just individually would be productive. And maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but like being confident in the things that you know that you can do maybe without, you know, a helping hand or things that you've done before that you've totally nailed. But also like there's something to say about someone who is like more than willing to take advice or ask for help or like get somebody else's opinion. Um, There's a confidence there that I think like nobody really explicitly calls out like that takes confidence and that I think is like super Mm -hmm. becoming and also shows a bunch of strength as just you as a person not you know specifically creative speaking but I think that that always goes a long way and probably will end up propping you up even more confidence Mm -hmm. we're talking a large scope of it yeah Abe, your turn. Um, okay, let me read through these. There was one I really liked. Um, okay, Is yeah, that- I, I found it. Um, so Riley asked, because I'm curious to hear everyone's responses. For certain projects, you have a concept to build around, but when you... Or no, let me start from the top. <laughs> <laughs> the page split. The page split. All right. Uh, my biggest question for you is how you decide uh, what you want to photograph. Not a big photographer, but I do find it really interesting and enjoy looking at your work. Uh, you do. I know for certain projects you have a concept to build around, but when you photograph things freely by yourself, uh, do ideas just come to you? Do you look for inspiration in others? I'm very curious. Mm. That's something for me that has kind of developed over the years. So. Like, like he said, sometimes you go into it with a very specific concept, um, maybe for like client work or commercial work or just a concept you have in your head. But something that I do a lot is just get the right props or the right wardrobe idea and then just get out there with a model or whatever and just see what happens and start shooting and then build off of that. And it's kind of like a creative exercise because you kind of just have to like work with what you have and... Um, like, like I said, that's kind of where I started was like just getting a few objects. Maybe I got like a really cool coat or like a cool like prop or something. And then I was just like experimenting and I made a lot of really cool work that way. But I think now um, I've tended to start going more into shoots with more of a concept. Um, but that just comes from looking at people's work that you like, looking at really old photos, looking at really new photos, looking at art that's not even photography. Um I think just like observing and being an observer of the world and like sometimes I'll just see like a tree or something and the way it's leaning and I'm like okay that like that's like so amazing I think I could totally build something off of that or just like constantly taking notes in the world around you and whether that's work that's photos online or whether that's um like someone's clothes or like a pattern on something like I think my ideas come to me in all of those ways so that I have this like index stockpile of all of these things so that when I am just out there shooting with someone 
it's like kind of randomly just shooting and figuring it out but also i'm pulling from this whole like bucket of inspiration that i've gathered so i would just say like like see yourself as a learner and an observer and constantly be like researching and looking up things um so that when it does come to the time where you're like quote unquote shooting freely or developing concepts freely like you have this basis of knowledge and ideas yeah um I feel like for me it's like um I think like when you ask this question um how do you when you photograph things freely by yourself do ideas just come to you or do you look for inspiration to others I'm very curious um I think that's a really interesting question because like when we're photographing things out in the wild or we're like setting up shoots or whatever. And, and to Mackenzie's point too, I think, I think our group of friends and like what we do at mouthwash is really unique because we're very like art direction driven, like very much like, like very much paying attention to the details of a location to like the fashion, to like the type of model we're using um, and all those things. But even when you're kind of going out and just shooting things out in the wild, um, I would just like, give you the advice to say like just like just like photograph the things and share the things that hit like you don't have to like follow the trends of taking photos of car corners or taking photos of like a grocery bag flying down the street just because that's like what the cool thing is right now like (laughs) there's always going to be like those things that are considered the the trendy like found items in the world um but you don't really have to hold to that like I, i know if like for me it's like I think one thing that like I've subconsciously have always done is like just try to fill the frame out like I'm very like inspired by architecture and the way that like patterns kind of replicate in the background of an image or um, just textures and things like that in general and and have like naturally placed subjects in front of those things um, but because of that it's like kind of created a body of work that's like pretty compositionally strong um, and almost like pretty like design oriented or design driven um, but like f- for everybody it's different it's like just do the things that feel right and for me that's like what always felt right was like looking for patterns and things in the background and like even if the pattern didn't fill out the frame I would just like photoshop the rest of it in the frame like I just that's like what I wanted and from the from the beginning and so I think for you Riley um the person asking this question it's like just do the things that feel right and I know that's like a hard like thing to grasp but sometimes there's not really a real answer to that other than just like doing 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 what feels right yeah I'm a big advocate for, you know, mood boarding, um, whether you're a designer, photographer, you know, whatever. Um, I think it's important to to put the things that inspire you down somewhere and then kind of see them all as a whole body. And then you kind of start to see your taste develop and what you like and what you want to shoot or what you want the things that you're shooting to look like. Um, so just make sure that like wherever you're getting inspiration, A, you're putting them down somewhere. Also, they're not coming from the same source make sure that they're not all coming from Instagram, you know, go look at old films, old magazines, like, you know, do something. Um, And then you'll kind of start to see that, like, you're not looking for inspiration, just because you're going to have so many things that are built up that you've been wanting to do. Um, But yeah, it just kind of comes over time. And there'll be times where you're not always going to, you know, have something in mind. But, you know, soon enough, it'll start to pop up again, if you're just pushing yourself to constantly put things down in a mood board or at least that's what's kind of done it for me because um I try and Alex kind of spoke onto it not just take pictures but kind of make pictures so you know we're making sets sometimes you know um mm-hmm. all that is a, is a big process because you know you have tons of variables you have to take into consideration rather than like 
back in the day when we would just kind of like meet up with some friends and you know take pictures you know it's, it's a little different but um in a good way <laughs> Bianca, what do you take pictures of back to my photo skills um no thank you while you guys were talking i was good. looking at all of your i was looking at your instagram actually actually um mine is <laughs> I, I have a journalism background so i guess just hearing you guys talk about things and your point of being an observer of the world uh that really resonated with me because I think that um, even though I'm not, you know, art directing <laughs> shoots or things like that, I very much am a fan of like grabbing my friends and putting them in front of something that is important to us, um, be it like the outside of their home or, you know, just spaces. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I think that and even this goes back to another question that we were talking about, but uh, I had a friend in college who was a photography major or whatever, and I was talking to her, I think about how, you know, I wanted this film camera and she was like, yeah, but you know, like it, it really, if you have an eye, like you have an eye and you know, if you want to make something that you see in your head, like you can do it. You don't need that film camera to do so. And, and I, I know the caveat um, that you brought up, mm. Alex, which was a great point. But I think that um, just looking through my feed, it's things that I just like to look at, people I like to look at, and like spaces that mean something, um, which I think is relevant to our next issue. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, spaces, totally. home. Spaces, places, faces, you know, all that. Um, cool. I think this is a question that we should address next because like four people asked basically the same thing, um, which is the question that always gets asked. Um, but it's essentially about creative rets. So um, people like Tyler and Madeline asked, how do you, do you have any advice to get away from burning out creatively? Also anything regarding getting out of creative ruts? Uh, Madeline said, how do you stay motivated slash when what inspires you to be creative when you feel like you're in a rut? And then somebody on Instagram just asked us, what do you do when you hit a creative wall? What re-inspires you? So kind of a theme there. Mm. Man, I would say for me, like number one, if you're in a creative rut, there's a difference between being in a creative rut and then just taking a break creatively. Um, because I think I've noticed in myself, I kind of like follow this ebb and flow of like making a ton of work and shooting all the time and like feeling so like active in my creativity. And then I'll have other short seasons of not really making anything. And I think that's okay. And I think you shouldn't beat yourself up about like beat yourself up if you're in one of those seasons. Um, so that's my first point that that's separate from a creative rut. But also when I'm stuck creatively – I think things that I try and like force myself to do never works, which is like, okay, let me just like sit down and like think of something to make or like, let me just like make something really quick so I can like feel better. And whenever I'm forcing myself to like be creative again, it never works and it never comes out with something that I really love. Um, but other things like talking with people like about a creative project or thinking of an idea with someone else, um, that always is like super helpful for me. Um, as well as traveling, like getting out of your space and doing something else, whether that's, 
you know, an hour out of town or it's flying somewhere, it's going like on a trip. That has always been really like really worked well for me when I'm in a creative rut. Um, just to like see new things and not do your day to day routine. Um, it can help to kind of just like shake that up a little bit and see things differently. Um, and I would also say another thing that I found is going to like a bookstore or like looking through books and things that are not on screens. And I know that's like really cliche to say, but when I'm like in a bookstore, it doesn't even matter what the book is about. If I'm just like flipping through old books or even if it's old photo books or, um, just cool art magazines or something like that. When I'm like sitting down and holding something, that's when I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. Like I'm ready to go make something. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like ruts are inevitable. Um, like even the best people that I've talked to and we've gotten a chance to talk to, they all go through it. Um, but I think one common denominator in all of them is that they um, are constantly doing a multitude of things and kind of like a previous point is just like always make sure that um, you're watching movies, make sure you're reading books. As Mackenzie said, make sure you're going out and seeing the world. You have to force things to change. They're not just going to change. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's pretty front forward, but yeah. And make sure you're eating your Wheaties. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I find that if I'm like really struggling to think of things, um, at work or even just outside of work endeavors, uh, I really like to go see music. And that, again, is probably just like my specific thing. But um, that experience, I think, like, basically to echo what everybody else is saying, maybe even getting out of your specific medium and experiencing uh, creativity in a tangential way is pretty stimulating as far as things that I'm concerned but honestly like even just taking a break and like recharging maybe it means getting an extra hour of sleep or like cooking a good meal uh (laughs) sometimes it's the little things that if I just like fuel myself I'm able to get back into into the swing of what I need to get done Hmm. yeah I feel like for me when I am creatively in a drought um i think i used to like start freaking out and like um forcing myself to like go out and like try to make stuff and um share it and things like that like just like trying to like push through it um and i think there's an element that is important in that process but i think now when um, i'm not really feeling creatively inspired i don't do anything and the reason for that is because um i'm starting to like more often question why I feel like I'm in a creative rut. Like, why am I in a creative rut? Like, is it because I feel the pressure to make things? Is it because I feel the pressure to like overly share um, online? Is it because I'm scared that people will think I'm becoming irrelevant if I haven't shared work that I'm making or building the next big thing? Um, And I think that has really shifted and changed my perspective on things. I think like one of the best things I ever did was I stopped like putting pressure on myself to like post on Instagram every day, which I know like is um, like a topic that we always end up coming back to, but it's like such a big part of our lives is that um, once I had stopped putting my pressure, the pressure on myself to like consistently share things all the time, I I stopped feeling like I was in a creative rut. I just, it just felt like um, I haven't made anything in a while and that's okay. You know, like that's, that's fine. Like I don't need to like go out there and, and, 
remind people that I'm alive or yeah. like post a million things on my Instagram story um, and things like that. And so that's like from like a practical sense. Um, and in another sense, I think it's okay to like um, gain inspiration and, and things from other places and spaces, but I, I like reading books, watching movies, things like that. But I think the more, like I said, the more important thing is like, why do you feel like you're in a creative rut? Do you feel like you're in a creative rut because you need to impress people or you need to show up or, you know, all these things, ETC. And I think if we were to just question a little bit more why we feel like we're in creative ruts, then we wouldn't necessarily feel like we're in creative ruts all the time. Um, that's kind of like my perspective on that. Next question. Um, totally. Next question. Some of these are like very similar. Um, like the processes one, I think we've kind of gone over. So mm-hmm. let's try to pick around those. How about like the process of like what we do together as a group? I think we have like a pretty mm-hmm. interesting defined process like how so for what like which part of what we do yeah um i think anything like when we decide like we're going to like i think we had a very like i'm not sure i understand holy shit oh siri just scared me (laughs) siri just heard me talk that was crazy i was like we're we're leaving that in there i thought it was bianca too i was like bianca stop yelling at me damn (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a rope um i think siri caught my s's on the end of my on the end of my words um but no like even when we so like a year ago right a year ago we were sitting in chicago and we um were like we're we're gonna like release this magazine and we're gonna like do all this promo stuff about it so like people can remember or even i think we get a lot of questions about like the design creative which Mm -hmm. you can speak to or um i think we as a group have a very strong um identity like people can look at stuff and be like oh that feels like mouthwash um which is good like that's where we wanted to be in but like where does that come from or like how do we kind of get to that point Mm. i mean because i don't even i don't even know how to answer that question really yeah i think our our process like the root of our process is just being flexible and always changing our process and like constantly learning about what we're doing and how we can make it better because just like, I mean, we've said it a million times, the difference from what we started as and the process we did there to now is like, just we've totally ironed out so many things to help us work better and to be able to make better work and, you know, like serve our purpose better. So like, for an example, like with Bianca, we've brought her on and we've become so much of a like more well-oiled machine because we have someone to handle the tasks that like we're not good at handling. So like scheduling podcasts and like working with contributors for the magazine and all this stuff, these were all like pain points for us before. And so now we've brought in someone whose like skill set matches that. And like now we're so much like we're working so much better. Um, Yeah. And I would say also like we're not afraid to like just like the other night I just went over to Alex's house and we were just like planning out different promo stuff and like trying to like literally on post-it notes on a table. Like we – we don't overthink it and we're not trying to like do this big fancy process for everything. Like it's literally just like pen and paper. Let's lay it out. Let's talk about it and like see what works best. So I would say like, like although we're like evolving our processes and working better, we're also just like down to just like do it all like super rough and like lay it out the like the, in the way that makes sense to us so that we can work mm-hmm. in our, in our processes. For yeah, sure. I think, uh what makes it good is it's not like 
Alex's process or Mackenzie's process or Bianca's or mine. It's like it's all of us together and, and the process itself is just leaning on to each other. So everyone, you know, kind of does something like, you uh-huh. know, um, Mackenzie might do a promo. Alex might do a post and I might edit the podcast, you know, stuff like that. Or, or same, same for magazine, like someone might be doing something else or another person might be working on another project. Um, so it's just like leaning on each other's strengths so to make sure that we're efficient and not wasting time on things that we don't need to. Um, because mm-hmm. that's, I feel like a lot of places that's what leads to, to, to them failing is, is inefficiency. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like we are, um, I think something that's unique to us is that we don't we don't settle on things that we know are like less than what we could do is better but we also hold ourselves to like really everything's open for discussion like everything is like like every design that goes out is like I don't like this or I I think this could be better and I think like we're we've gotten really good at like not being offended by those things it's it just has to do with us being like so close like we're all friends like Mm -hmm. mouth like the the nature of mouthwash came from not like dming this girl Mackenzie because i saw her on the internet and being like yo i want to start this thing it was like we spent time around each other you know like we yeah (laughs) (laughs) let's link and build um but yeah like i don't know i just think there's like so it's so important to like be working with people that you trust and people that have the conviction to make things that are as as good of a level as you want them to be made um and if we felt like anybody was settling like we would have that conversation with them and i think that is like the birthplace of our process is that it just comes naturally Mm -hmm. and there's like a heartbeat behind what we're doing like we're not just making this stuff just for the sake of it or else like trust me we would never have like done as much as we've done because there's so much work that goes into it and like if there's not like that heart behind it without any like it's not like we're making a ton of money off of this or like getting a ton of stuff it's like we're just doing this because we like love what we're doing and we love working with each other and that's why i think makes it work yeah this is literally like a second job like it's not right it's not something that's like like very like oh we just do this on the side and like no it's actually like very time consuming and because there's only a little bit of people and um you know it's it acts right. like it's 30 people but it's really not Bianca I'm curious I'm Bianca I'm curious as to like because we kind of brought you we found you like last year right Count. and so like what do you yeah. see a diamond <laughs> in the rough right what do you maybe what do you see like in how we do things that are different from like other groups of people that you've worked with I think I mean, it. I don't want to repeat what you guys have said thus far, but it is very much like a, although it is a, a well-oiled machine and there are processes and um, structure, you guys just like make it work. Like there is that drive and that passion behind what we need to get done. And, you know, you set those deadlines, you set those goals and, um, it just happens. And I think that uh, we're small enough that that is kind of just how it has to be (laughs) Uh, elsewhere. And, you know, I haven't been exposed to a whole bunch, but even at work, which is, 
like a small studio, right? Um, if you if you don't get it done, somebody else will cover your ass. And I think we very much like hold ourselves to this standard where like, no, I'm going to get it done because I, I own this part of the process and like, uh, I want this to work for everyone. And so I, I guess that it's, it's very much like a passion fueled, uh, a passion fueled thing. Um, hmm. That's a good way to put and it. I think too, sorry, what? That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It, it's like, you know, I don't know if people realize, but we're not all in the same place at the same time. Like if, two of you guys aren't traveling it's like I'm in a different state or Abe's in a different state um and so I think not all the time but you know um there's this like understanding and trust like you mentioned that people are going to hold their weight or carry their weight and mm. also this like constant communication if need be um yeah and like I'll <laughs> I'll joke right now that I am annoying as shit but you know, it's no, we need it. Over, it's we like, need it. Yeah, thank you. But like, I need to be blowing up your DMs if like anything's going to get planned, especially with three people that are constantly traveling and mm-hmm. have full schedules. With the other people that are constantly traveling that have full schedules, um, if we want to talk to them, so it's like there's a level of communication and passion that I don't, I would argue, is like hard to match elsewhere. It's hmm. good. Yeah. That feels good. Yeah. (laughs) There's one question I want, I want to, I think should be asked because it's very relevant right now with Mackenzie just moving to LA. Um, It's it's from Anna. Having a community of creative, passionate, ambitious people around you is important. How do you find these people when you've just moved to a new city? As a freelancer, I find loneliness is my biggest hurdle and would appreciate any advice slash anecdotes about overcoming this from you guys. Anna. Mm. yeah I mean I feel like we all probably have something to say on this as we all like moved around um and like tried to plug into a creative community but let's see I would say like don't be afraid to just reach out to someone who's on the internet or someone that you've followed or someone who you've like a friend of a friend just reach out the worst thing that could happen is they don't answer you and you can get over it and um even if it's like I mean, everyone does it, but it's just, like, go grab coffee with them or whatever. And if that's, like, the only coffee that you have with them, fine. That's great. But you're going to meet some really awesome people who um, – like, I went on a brunch date last week with someone who I haven't seen in five years. And five years ago, I met them in Chicago for, like, two hours as they were driving through. So, like, Damn. just getting – like, it was crazy. And then from that brunch, like, he – like – gave me a bunch of people I should reach out to and a bunch of people he's like oh like you should totally you know meet up with these people so it's like everyone is in this like everyone's trying to like have community and meet people and work with people and if you just like kind of put yourself out there to meet people then I think it'll just happen and then through connections you'll just meet more people so it's kind of vague but like I don't know as me as but it's really as simple as that right it is I mean that's the way I've met all of you guys and like my best friends are from the internet we always say that but it really is as simple as that yeah i've i've moved to like two major cities like twice now not knowing like the first time i knew like one person and then the second time when i moved to la i didn't know anybody met me. um and then i met abe 
but even like yeah a, like even like when we i mean we had been in touch like on social for like a while and then like two weeks in or like a weekend you were like the first person i met i was like let's go get coffee or whatever and like things really hit off from there but i think like the biggest thing and this is something that i think a lot of creative people struggle with is just like showing up mm-hmm. um i think like even me I don't think a lot of people believe it when I say this, but like, I'm pretty like introverted. Like I know Abe's always like, you're the most social person I've ever met, but like, I'd rather not be like in big crowds where I don't know anybody or like going to like events and things like that. Um, But I think there's been so many times where like, I've had to talk myself into just showing up because I know that like being there is like more important than me, like having to like conserve that energy for no reason to just like sit in my room or whatever. Um, Yeah. And that's not always the case, I guess, but like I would say like even when you don't feel like showing up to like um, getting coffee with somebody or like going to like some event or something like I think it's just really important to be there and not for the sake of networking but just to like yeah I don't know like I think like the you realize even in in a city as big as LA is the creative community here is really small like I run into people all the time like all over the east side like we're all hanging out in the same spots we all have the same interests and I think the more you show up and the more um, you're around like the more people remember who you are um, they remember your skill set, um, like all that kind of stuff. So I would just say like show up even if you don't feel like it. Yeah. A year and a half ago, like uh, I had just moved to LA and um, Alex had just moved to LA and it literally for like a good couple of months, like we just hung out with pretty much each other. And I think, yeah. I think it's important to just at least find one person. And then from that, like we've built mm-hmm. tons of relationships, but you know, from both oh, sides. Oh, totally. Um, so if you if you can find that one person that you can really just gel with, I think it'll make that whole city and and pl- just so much more enjoyable. Um, you know, if you're a believer, you know, church that's a that's a, another place. You know, we moved. I moved to you know L.A. in the first place I went to was C three, and I found tons of friends there. Um, so you know, it's and it's gonna come with its territory, and um, you know, just for me, like the. I had the luck and, you know, so did Alex of just meeting each other and then being able to just work together and then find his friends and he finds my friends. Um, so, yeah, just mm. find that one person. Kind of yep. romantic. <laughs> it is romantic. <laughs> no, it's a good question, though. Yeah. Um, there's, there's actually, like, one, maybe two more questions that I, like, really want to get to if you guys, like, Shoot your shot. Something that you really want to get to. Shoot my shot. All right, here I go. Um, the first one was, how do you market yourself to potential clients or convince someone who doesn't know anything about design that they could benefit from branding and strategy? Uh, not just particular to design, but like any creative service. Like, how do we get people to buy our ideas? Hmm. I mean, it's a loaded one. Yeah, I don't know what you guys will feel about this. I'm like, I'm a pretty big believer in strategy, especially when like, it's backed up by something, <laughs> um, particularly like research of some sort. And I think that when it's, you know, me being privy to like, just having a journalistic integrity. Um, and that could mean a lot of different things to different people. But Um, I think that like in what we do, there's a lot of subjectivity, uh, and Mm. it's, it's nice to have this kind of like 
portfolio of like research to prove in a, in a way that like your ideas will be successful. And again, it's like all of those words have asterisks at the end of them because, you know, I I know that that was one of the questions around success. Like how do you define it? Everybody defines it differently. Um, But yeah, I really do think that like, say you want to uh, brand anything, you know, if, if you're not talking to people who are going to be interacting with that brand to a certain capacity and seeing what will resonate with them. It's kind of like, what are you creating yeah. for? What are you creating for? Yeah. That's so big. Yeah. yeah I feel, go ahead, Mac. Oh, I was just going to like totally say that's, I feel like clients or whoever you're working for, that's the first stage. If they want to cut back on like budget or something, they'll just be like, Oh, like we can like cut out a little bit of the research phase, but like that's literally the foundation of everything. So like figuring out what your brand's voice or tone is, or like, what you want the project to be saying or what like the stakeholders are wanting to say or whatever. Um, I mean, this is coming from like a studio perspective, but like that is going to set the tone for everything and you can't cut that out. And it's just funny because people who don't really understand that, like just want to cut that out to save hours. But um, which I think is part of like something you learn when you're moving, when you're learning how to create relationships with clients is like, they're the professional in what they do and their brand. And I'm the professional in what I do and designing so, like, how do we meet in the middle and, like, I educate them on the design process and how it works and they, they educate me on their brand. And, like, that mm. point is where you're going to find success because we can't do it without either side. So, like, they can't fully just run everything and call all the shots because you have to be part of educating them on why it's important. So, totally agree with the the research and preparing part of it. Yeah, I feel like um... – like if we think about it from like a really practical sense, like the creators of the world or the creative people of the world are typically offering services to people who are not creative. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about it that way, like the people who have companies and like owners and stuff, like they have money, um, they are paying you to educate them on how your creative decisions are going to benefit them. And I think a lot of the times, um, people who are creative do not do a good job at justifying their creative decisions. Facts. Right. And so when you, when you think about it in a way where it's like somebody hires me to be a photographer and, um, or I'm pitching, I guess this is on, on the end of like, I'm trying to convince this person with money that um, my service is going to benefit them. And I think a lot of people, um, whether they're like designers or videographers or photographers, they, they just put down this cool idea or they say, Oh yeah, like we'll just do this or, that and um it'll be cool and and that's just not enough like we have to like really back the creative decisions that we're making to show that how it's going to be beneficial for that client um and Mm -hmm. even down to the little things and the more granular you can get um whether it's like this is why we're using a red seamless paper or this is why we're shooting at this outdoor location or this is you have to really justify everything that's in the frame you know Mm -hmm. um especially from like a photography perspective. Um, this is why we're using a female talent. This is why we're shooting on film. This is why we're shooting on, like there's, and there's ways that you can really ground that. And the only way you ground those decisions is by understanding the brand as well. So like McKinsey was what you're saying is like, if a client comes to me and they're like a very raw, um, authentic, like that's part of their, like their brand mantra and stuff like that, then I can justify that I'm going to shoot on 35 millimeter film because there's imperfections in film. And I think that there's like a grit to it that not like pure digital film with or pure digital photography with strobes is going to be able to connect 
that emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so there's all these little decisions that you have to make and justify by understanding where the brand is coming from. And I think the the way we do that is by putting it in a deck. And if you don't know what like a deck is, um, you're probably not in advertising or you just probably haven't gotten there yet, but you, you should ask like what that is. And yeah. um, if you can like damn near create your ideas before they've been made, like you're going to have so much higher percentage of a chance of success of landing a client. Um, and by that, I mean like finding the right reference images, finding like the things that are like ex- almost exactly what you want to make or like are inspired by the things that you're trying to make for this client. So you got to be able to give them the opportunity to see mm-hmm. the things that only you can see in your head. So you got to put it out on the table in front mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. I think um, your first question was, how do you market yourself to potential clients? Um, for me, a lot of times, I, I'm clients don't always come to me. Sometimes I pitch to clients. Um, and the thing I always look for is where they're lacking. And I try to identify that and then uh, quantifiably tell them how I can make it better. Like, you know, how whether it's a key pay, yeah. key, uh, KPI or, or whatever, um, because that they're they're usually numbers people or just analytical people that want to see results. Um, and I try mm-hmm. to make their life easier because, like I said, they are business people and they're going to want to hire you because you're making their life easier. You're taking something off their load. Um, and the way you do mm-hmm. that is you have to go above and beyond. So sometimes I get pitched for one thing and I give them three other things. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it slowly starts to, you know, you start to build up kind of like case studies or, or, or things like that. Um, because you're going to get yeah. hired on things that you've done in the past and things you've done in the past. Well, so whatever you are working on, make sure that you're able to use that for further, because that's, what's going to get you more work and more clients. Um, so yeah, just identify mm-hmm. where they're lacking and, and then try to, you know, quantify how you can make it better for them because you're making their life easier and that's what's going to get you to get hired. Totally. And I would say with that, like one other just quick, like really like logical thing is like um, on your website or wherever you're advertising yourself, only have work on there that's similar to work that you want to get hired for. Um, is like some, some advice that someone gave me once is cause if you have like all these other projects of things that like th- that people are going to look at and want to hire you for. So if you do something and you really love it, but you're like, man, I would never want to do something like that again. Don't put it on your website because that's what people are going to look at and want you for. So try and like advertise yourself in the, like with the things that are in the same vein that you want to pitch to other people. Totally. Okay, cool. And the last thing, so we don't go too far over time, is what is like the future mouthwash? Ooh. <laughs> Good question. I don't know if we want to give away all the answers. <laughs> Alex, take it away. Okay. <laughs> you the most. Yeah, right. I, was, I was asking you guys, but I guess I'm going to sit here and ask <laughs> Answer myself. your own question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We are working on awesome stuff. We're still continuing to do the podcast. We... I think that as we've kind of gotten older and we're like a year older from where we were last year, we're really interested in the minds of people who are entrepreneurial in the creative field. And this is something that we've always said. So we're continuing with that. We're like over halfway done with the first season of the podcast. We have all the pretty much all the work, the contributor work for the magazine that we are releasing early next year. Um, uh, we are we have it all, but like we're kind of working on some other big thing right now that we would um we're going to release so the magazine's kind of on hold um probably till early 2019 um but yeah like i think 
we're and then I guess are we gonna announce that thing that um we're we're rebanding our website and we're recreating a, a trying to create more of a platform that has like stories and original content from people and creators that we really admire um so hopefully like our website becomes a, a destination for um things that you can buy that we're creating or podcasts that you can listen to that we're doing here or just like stories in general or original um photo essays or photo series or videos that we ask people to make for us if they're interested um so we are still open to whatever is possible in the future we're not like gonna box ourselves in but we're still growing and changing and trying new and things. we're still working and continuing uh, like the things we're already you know put out like we're putting out another magazine you know that's gonna take up a lot of right. time um podcast is gonna always be a thing so um we're we're like halfway through the season so we have like six or five i don't know more episodes to record um and then a few more projects um which when they're at a good point we'll kind of put out but um we're just constantly pushing and trying different mediums yeah, the goal is to get better. Like at the end of the day, it's like if we can say that we've made something that we're proud of and that we got better from the time that we started, then I think it's all considered a success. For sure. Kenzo, what were you saying? No, I'm just saying like we have plans for what we want to do, some that we're telling you, some that we're not. And then also there's probably going to be more things that we're just going to do because we think of them and mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what those things are. Yeah. Yeah, For I think sure. we've we've kind of positioned cool. ourselves to where we're not just like a one trick pony type of thing where we, we are able to like start something and if we want to and then discontinue something if we like, oh, this is, isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. Cool. Um, well, I guess – Thanks, everybody, for asking mm-hmm. us questions. It actually always blows my mind and the rest of our minds that so many of y'all are um, kind of look to us as a resource for that. Um, this is why we started this. This is why we exist, is to make you feel less alone in some capacity and let you know that, that like we're all in this together. Um, and like this doesn't have to be like a one-time thing either. Like If you guys do have questions, you can always email us or um, send us a DM. Like This is something that we hope to do a little bit more often, but just want to say thanks. Um, I think we all enjoyed it. This totally. was fun. Shout out to Bianca. Yeah, it was good. Aww. And shout out to Bianca, making her first guest appearance. Hopefully, we have her on more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was so great. Everyone hates their voice recorded, right? And just wait till except you listen Alex. back to it. It's the worst thing ever. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> you yeah. say except Alex. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just I don't know. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, cool. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye Thanks again for listening to the Mouthwash Podcast. For more information, you can follow us on social media or check us out at mouthwash.com.